Blog Talk Radio. Ben, you're there. Ben is here, and an awesome <laughs> evening to you and the listeners. <laughs> you see, you know, you're you must be in the right business because you're making people more successful and happy, and I don't know anybody who doesn't want that. <laughs> you're too kind. You're doing it on a daily basis through these radio programs as well. <laughs> oh well, I don't do it daily, but you know that that's okay. <laughs> Uh, we definitely get we get in there what we can and yes. uh, we share what we can. Mm-hmm. So we sure. talked about you know you know we've talked to you before about leadership. Yep. But today we're going to be talking about uncovering our specific goals to influence the outcome. Yep. And I know we talked a little bit obviously. I want you to give uh, people a little more bearing of what you know what you've been doing and where you come from. I know it's a big a big thing to talk about, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know me. If I start talking about myself and what I do, I can't shut up. I just ah. get so excited about it. But um, what I do point. normally, <laughs> <laughs> what I what I do on a daily basis and every single interaction is invite others to be able to uncover their passion, just so that they can unleash become aware of it, and then live up to it so that they live a more fulfilled life as compared to just working 9 to 5, 501, they look at their clock and say, whoops, I'm done, i got to go home. Uh, versus when, when you're fulfilling your passion, your work becomes pleasure as against when it's just a work, you are literally adding to the level of stress in your personality, in your life, in your professional life, and all that as well. So that's the distinction that I make between passionate versus routine in mundane work. Well, mundane, yeah, we don't like that word. No, I know, and that's (laughs) that's exactly why I, I inject, or at least I help inject passion into people just so that they are more energized, therefore more effective and productive 
you, by doing what they choose to do. Right. Do you think that a lot of people just settle? Um, yes. And I, instead of sharing my thinking, if I give you the survey and the results from global outcomes of those surveys, greater than 80% of the people end up doing what they do because they just settle versus pursuing their own passion. And that's a, that's a scary situation to be in. If you just tweak that, Patty, and turn that around to saying 83% of the people are fulfilling and pursuing their passion, my God, the globe, the community, and the world would be an absolutely different and therefore an awesome place. Well, it would be a lot more people who are happy, or at least content, you know? Bingo. Absolutely. I mean, happiness Ab- happiness is one thing, but, you know, being somewhat content, I think, is probably uh, more important, really, overall. Because yes. if you're content, then you, again, you're going to exert some happiness. And that just, you know, kind of goes around in circles around other people. So true. It, it, it reminds me of uh, one of my hiking buddies who is a very successful physician here in the valley in Phoenix. And we started talking about philosophical uh, perspective in life and so on. And he on his own mentioned, Ben, even though I'm so successful, I'm doing what I love to do, but I honestly don't know what I want to do in life. I don't know what I want to achieve in life. And long story short, and asking a couple of other questions, I asked him about, have you asked yourself, what do you want to accomplish and achieve in life? And his answer was, no, he has not asked himself that. So I pursued it further, and I asked him, I said, why have you elected not to ask yourself what do you want to do in life? And he shrugged his shoulder, didn't have the answer. About five, seven minutes later, I said, why have you not asked yourself what you want to accomplish? Are you afraid of the answers you will get from yourself? And rightfully so, I knew I had hit it on the nail. He said, absolutely, I am so scared to find out what I want to accomplish. And at this point, I cannot pursue it because of whatever stage I'm in, whatever golden handcuffs I'm wearing, mm. and, <laughs> and, and therefore I'm not able to pursue my passion. Wow. Yeah. My question, therefore, Patty, to everyone, every listener as well, is at what age is it appropriate to pursue passion? I don't think there's any age. Thank you. And I, <laughs> I, would, I would expect that that would be the answer from every listener. But the challenge that we all face is that even though we are passionate about some areas and some attributes, we end up taking detours because of whatever challenges and circumstances that life throws our way, and therefore we get distracted, we take a detour, and therefore passion stays in the rearview mirror. 
Mm. I see that a lot with authors. I see that a lot with authors. Mm. Um, They get started late in life. Mm. Always wanted to write that book, you know. That's what they keep telling me. We always wanted to write that book, but never got around to it. And why do you think that is? Did they they get uh, delayed in that? They get delayed. They they say life happens. There you go. Yeah. Yep. And I think again they dis again they don't think that they could do it. You know, and yeah. say they at that time don't think that they were capable of doing it. But when we get later, you know, I, I think that uh, a, a lot of us, you know, get older, we get more sure of ourselves, uh, or at least I hope so. I know it, that's the way it was with me. Get more sure of myself, therefore, it's like, <clears throat> well, why can't I do that? Yep. If if I if I fail, I fail, but at least I can try. Was so you're saying or suggesting that age plays a part in building our own self-esteem. Sure. and therefore capabilities around what we can accomplish. Well, it's, it's like I say, you know, a young, real young person can't really write, uh, well, first of all, a nonfiction book mm. because they they haven't experienced enough to really put enough down on paper. Fair enough, yep. And, uh, Absolutely. I, I, you know, and the same thing goes with fiction, really. Uh, you can't develop characters if you don't have one of your own. True. Yep. As far as authors, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so it's uh, that's why I've seen a lot a lot of older authors um, who are now you know at that stage where you know it's time for it's time for them it's time for them to do that passion that thing that they always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Well, we're, you're talking about authors. I'm talking generally about even the business uh, owners and so on. Yeah. I run into audiences and participants in my sessions from time to time where the young ones get frustrated and they say, you know, I actually don't honestly like my work. I'd love to one day start my own business. And my pointed question to these individuals is, when are you looking to start your business? And the answer that I get is truly a mind-boggling one because they they have a misconceived idea about what is the appropriate time to start their business. And their answers almost always come down to when I have the right resources, Hmm. when when I have financial backing, when I have the vision, when I have the plan, and when I have the true desire to be able to run my own business. Hmm. And I said, when is that time? Where, what are you waiting for? Yeah. And they don't have the answer because the time is right now. Yeah. And then I end up giving them the example of uh, the likes of Steve Jobs, who started in a small apartment. Bill Gates, who started in a garage. Exactly. Yeah, never, never a good time. Never a good time. Or kind of, right now is a good time. It's kind of like having children. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> it, it's never yeah. a perfect time. Right. So Financial. might as well get started now. Yeah, and Patty, this was the funniest comment that I heard when, when I asked about financial backing, as in, so what is what is your 
appropriate financial backing that you are ready to start your business. And the answer I got was, as soon as I have $7 million, <laughs> I'll be able to uh, start my business. Well, that's never And <laughs> aside from uh, mentioning it to him, my thoughts, introspection was, if you have $7 million, my friend, chances are you, you will not need to start your own business. Right. You will, you will then start something, an organization, to be able to help and impact as many people as you can in the shortest possible time that you have left yeah. on this journey. <laughs> so right. th th it is a misconception about, about uh, the age-appropriate, time-appropriate, and passion. Oh, my God, yeah, he can pursue it, but I can't. Well, why not? And they don't have the answer to that. Well, I, I have a, sh a short story for you. Yes. As you know, I give analogies and things that happened. Um, I was five months pregnant, and I was working at a as a graphic designer at a business. And I won't go into the long story, but the short story is that uh, I was given a choice and uh, wound up getting laid off mm. five months pregnant. It wasn't long before I got pregnant. I mean, just before I got pregnant, I considered actually starting my own business. You know, getting getting out of the corporate scene and getting into my own uh, graphic design business. But uh, then I got pregnant. And I thought, well, I certainly can't do that now because, you know, I need the insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but universe, God, whatever you want to, whatever your, your inclination is, mm. uh, had other ideas. Yep. I was laid off. Five months pregnant. Nobody wanted to hire me because, you know, by then I was showing. Mm -hmm. um, I was a liability. So uh, I just said, okay, apparently it's time for me to start the business whether I want to or not. Yeah. See, it's never a good time. Something's always in the way. Yep. Except for when it's taken away from you. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's why I call it the fidelity as far as focused integrity with determination and, and that's I, what keeps yeah. i never stopped by the way so there you go there you uh, go i've had a business ever since then yep and i love it because uh, whenever somebody uh says hey uh aren't you excited tomorrow is the weekend uh you'll be <laughs> off for two days hey, and <laughs> i smile not cunningly but i smile and i i respond to them as in you have no idea. Saturday and Sundays are the best time that I work because that's when I actually write a lot. That's when I introspect a lot. And I share my blogs and so on and so forth as well. So there is not a day. Right. Whether I'm on vacation or working, I see no difference because I'm having fun 24 hours a day, irrespective of the time or the location or the interaction I'm having with the people, the kind of people, and so on. And that's what, in my opinion, turns every interaction into a memorable one, just so that that's what builds lasting relationships as well, which in turn turns into long-term businesses as well. Definitely. Yep. Definitely. So, you know, uh, it does help. If, if there's one thing I could, I could advise anyone in, uh, it would be, 
don't you know start now by cultivating your relationships. Yep. Because it really did save me. I cultivated my relationships before I got laid off. Uh-huh. As soon as I laid off, I called in my friends and said and said, "Hey, I guess got laid off. Do you know anybody that needs some help with graphic design?" And they sent me people. Absolutely. So uh, you cultivate the relationships before you need them. Yep. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think I mentioned in the last show mm-hmm. that I've been very fortunate to have worked with four bosses all my life. And since then, either they have become my lifelong friends or my lifelong mentors. And those are the kinds of relationships that I'm talking about. Whether you work with someone or they were your colleagues or your friends, but if you start to learn and build that relationship, plant the seed of growth, you never know where that relationship will take you. Absolutely. To give you a quickest example of uh, when I was going through my second graduate uh, school here, um, one of my classmates was a director at one of the large uh, organizations. He just called me to make a presentation to his team how to make it more cohesive and collaborate more effectively and so on. And to my surprise, he had invited three vice presidents to attend the session as well. Long story short, I never had to look back on that. And that company after 12 years, is still one of my top clients. There you go. (laughs) And that's what I mean by that. If we influence and, of course, do it with passion, there is no ill intent behind pursuing those passions. And therefore, you're influencing not with any selfish interest, but at least just with the kind of benign helping reasons and nature of the relationship. Right. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're we in agree- we're definitely in agreement when it comes to those things. Yes. Well we love it. You know that. And uh yeah. Passion is something that it, it literally is a spark. You don't have to have a passion that is uh that's gonna weigh a ton in order to have the kind of success that you want to have. You don't actually necessarily have to have the whole forest on fire in order to light the campfire. All you need is a spark to <laughs> to, to start the barbecue. That, you know? That's a great analogy there. <laughs> Thank, don't don't need a forest you. fire in order to start the spark. Right. <laughs> But the passion, the spark that ignites all of your journey and to fulfill the way that you want to and shape your life the way you want to just so that you can navigate through even the roughest stuff, thunderstorms. Yeah. With clarity. With clarity. I'm going to remind everybody at this point that, uh, that, you know, I don't have to keep Ben all to myself. (laughs) <laughs> you can uh, definitely call in. So the guest number is 714-242-5145. Or if you just don't uh, want to call seven the 714 number, we do have a chat area down below. The information about the uh, 
about Ben and his his message. If you wanted to ask a question or comment, you can fill that chat area down below. Just put it right there, and I will share it with Ben. And along with that, Patty, if I can actually invite and challenge our listeners, don't take my word for it, please. Put me on the spot. Don't <laughs> don't take everything that I say at face value because what I say sometimes will sound easier said than done. Mm-hmm. My invitation and challenge to you is challenge it in such a way that I can turn it around and show it to you that it is easier done than said. Oh, really? Hmm. Well, I, th- you know, honestly, I think it, you guys should actually take him up on that challenge. So, if, if you, you know, I have a friend who says, as long as you're making progress, you're still moving forward. Yes. So yes. it's, you know, even if it's two steps forward and one step back, you still made us up. Yep. Gee, how many more analogies can we use? <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of the things that I, I uh, suggest to all the uh, participants and audiences is people get distracted or take a detour from their passion as soon as they face one or two roadblocks. Not really. What, is there any specific and, roadblocks? Um, I'm just suggesting that if they look at, uh, let's say, uh, mountaineering, if they visualize that they want to achieve and climb that peak, but now they're saying, oh, my God, how am I going to get there? Oh, that road actually takes me a little bit downward. Huh, that means I'm going to delay my reach to the peak and so on. Therefore, they kind of say, okay, forget the peak. I'm just going to go this way and uh, rest of wherever I can and, uh, consider it an accomplishment. And that's fine as well. Whatever rocks your boat. But that's what happens in real life as well. In the organizations, when whenever bosses or the powers to be come to us and say, hey, you know what, I want to give you a lateral move to a cross-functional responsibility just so that then later on you'll be able to rise to the top uh, fairly quickly and easily, we tend to shy away from that as in, ooh, a lateral move. Hmm, what is Patty going to say? Or he moved uh, to the lateral move because, okay, maybe he was not doing as good. Hmm. Or maybe uh, uh, they didn't trust him as much. Wait a minute. <laughs> there are other reasons behind why the lateral move, why the cross-functional and so on. Mm-hmm. And we don't try to look at the other side of the coin most of the time, and that's when we lose sight of our passion. Yeah, I have, I have a friend who, uh, first sign of where he thinks that they might get rid of him, he's, he's already talking himself into, into that very change. Really? And I said, you know, just because there's things moving around in your business doesn't mean it has to do with you. Right, 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 right. <laughs> it yep. could be anything. Yep. Well, I was on a, uh, here's the greatest example. We were on a corporate 10-day scuba diving trip for 
separate four different boats and we were on one boat our president as you know no president likes to lose the competition <laughs> especially uh, uh, regatta um, and yet our skipper sensed the wind direction took a longer route as compared to the president's boat which uh, sailed straight towards the island we took a detour almost about 90 degree across and then because of the favorable wind we made it probably close to just about two minutes ahead of the president was he happy absolutely not was was our uh, skipper happy absolutely yes <laughs> <laughs> and his his comment was whether he's a president or whoever it's a regatta i'm going to play the game fair and we won right and th and that's what it ought to be <laughs> but not I mean, many people it's like hey i gave you a head start yep <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't help it you were not meant to win <laughs> right 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 yep well what else can i answer for you well, we've, you know, there's one question that, that, uh, that, I, that I see, and, you know, even to myself, and that is uh, our fear of success. Yep. What is that all about? Fear of success, as I said, I alluded to, and call it timely or absolutely the right time for that analogy or example of no president elects to lose. <laughs> I, I can take a bet of the entire workforce, whether just in the U.S. or globally, anywhere. There is not one employee that gets up in the morning and says, you know what, I'm going to go to work and screw up today. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> they almost okay. always want to do the best they can. Right. And so, therefore... Their passion, their energy, and their enthusiasm towards doing the right thing is there till they hit the door at the corporate because the environment changes based either on the leadership that's not available to them or the constraints and limitations that are put on them because of the bosses or the colleagues or whatever other political agenda on people's minds that they end up kind of mitigating what they want to accomplish that day and so therefore oh if I fail Patty is gonna talk up a storm at the water cooler and just I'm gonna be the nasty or the <laughs> low performer as compared to anybody else and so on and so that fear takes over from the initial thought, as soon as he or she woke up, said, I ain't going to screw up today. I'm going to win today. But as soon as they get there, it's the fear of, ooh, oops, the reputation or what the colleague will say. We care more about what the colleagues and the peers will say compared to what your integrity and at the end of the day your satisfaction will be about right so it should be about 
have, you know, all I can do is the best I can do. Yep. And the next day is the next day. Yep. Hmm. And that fear of failure or even a perceived failure, you may not have failed. But according to someone who had a political agenda said, Ben didn't do it right, that itself is a disapproval of our work and therefore we try to decrease that and mitigate those kinds of conversation and that's what kicks in as far as the fear. Interesting. Does that answer? Yeah, yeah, it's, it is part part of the answer. Um, I think that uh, I, I've seen where, where people get where they, and I think you're right. They they uh, they, they get fearful once they once they hit the door. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I meant, yeah, yeah. until so they they let the fear take over. Yes. Hmm. And as I mentioned last time, that uh, everyone talks about and brags about uh, they have an open-door policy. Mm-hmm. Well, what, yeah. what, they, what they don't tell you is that actually, yes, I mentioned open-door, but what I forgot to tell you was watch out for the glass door. <laughs> yeah. Don't let it hit you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, I, you have to wonder since when when a boss says, "Oh, we have an open door policy," and you look at him like, "Oh, really?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, yeah, I don't think they know what that is. Right. That's not, yeah. Right. Now I've seen people, numerous examples of people who are absolutely happy and thrilled, irrespective of how much less they have than the next person. And they're not fearful of what the others are thinking. They're not fearful of what the outcome will be. They're just happy being who they are. And they deliver happiness to others as well. Yes, but I've also seen it where somebody is that happy and others try to take them down. Oh, absolutely. And that's <laughs> that that becomes easy as soon as you let the fear take over. I actually try to be contagious as in those that try to bring me down from my happiness. Five to seven minutes later, they go, hmm, you sure are contagious. I'm no longer low on my <laughs> <laughs> on my thinking and therefore, wow. Look, I'm happier than what I was before. So, how do you uncover the goal that you need to get it? You know, really focus on in order in order to get uh, what your outcome should be. Patty, that's a very interesting question because what I do and I invite others to do is to not ignore the smallest signal, whether from intrinsic thinking or an observation in your surrounding and your environment and all that, that those can be the trigger points. Remember I told you passion is a spark. All you need is a spark to ignite your passion and therefore the fire 
that fire in itself will fuel the journey towards the goal that you want to accomplish. The thing about, I'm talking about as far as even the smallest hint of communication or the uh, observation of whatever is taking place around us, if we take that as triggers and we work towards, begin to work towards those, it just fulfills everything. I'll give you quickest story. When I first moved here to the U.S., I was new to the country, didn't know much about the IRS code and all that other than all of the friends or the acquaintances that I had. Ooh, whatever you do, don't get in trouble with the IRS. <laughs> so this is, this is my first year in New York City. I was very successful. Well, I made more in bonus money than the salary and so on. Uh, was able to walk into a bank and purchase a house for cash and so on. Wow. That kind of money I'm talking about. But that's not important. <coughs> Here is what happened. I had actually an accountant do my taxes where I asked him, if you, if you do the taxes for me, please let me know how much will I owe you and I should be able to pay you for that. And his words to me, even 25 years later, stay with me because I worked towards that. He said, Ben, your tax return was not that difficult. If you don't mind, don't pay me. But as and when you find some student who's struggling to pay the fees for the year, go ahead and take care of that student. You will have paid my fees. Ah, go around, come around thing. And there you go. There you go. Paying it forward. But look at that, that 25 years later, that small gesture. Mm -hmm. It was a small gesture, but 25 years later, it's become so lofty for me to share that on a radio program with the listeners around the globe that hopefully it will inject that kind of passion and energy towards them willing to do something for the others. Hmm. Yeah, paying it forward is, is, is always a plus. And, of course, uh, giving to your own community uh, something that has really come up a lot lately. Absolutely. So what do you think that uh, it's just somebody sit down and really contemplate what their overall goals are? They, they, well, absolutely. You've got to look at the goals. But see, when we start such an arbitrary process of let me write down what my goals are, they tend to be artificial. Mm. They tend to be sometimes uh, short term. Mm. And they tend to be a bit more in terms of uh, tangible versus what are some of the other attributes that we could look at as far as the goals as well. Hmm. Uh, uh, here is, it, it brings me uh, a great uh, story. In fact, I've written a blog about it too. And name is not important, but I ran into this uh, gentleman at a bar in Atlanta. I was sitting and talking to three other people and they were asking me what do I do and so on. My answer is not relevant, but this guy 
heard it as in what I do. He turns around and he just says, well, you're saying all this only because you're, you, you're a motivator and you like to motivate people and all that. And I ignored the comment. But then under his breath, he said, Bill Gates is the dumbest and the stupidest man alive. Hmm. Uh, and I said, are we talking about the same Bill Gates? Because there are multiple Bill Gates, and I want to make sure that we're talking about the same Bill Gates. Bill Gates of Microsoft? And he said, yes. And I said, then in that case, I'm just curious as to why do you call him dumb. His answer baffled me. His answer continues to baffle me because he said he is so stupid <coughs> that he wants to give 95% of his wealth to charity. Huh. Where is the smartness in that? Where is the legacy in that? Where is the goal in that? Yeah. And my answer to him was, Sir, what you are missing is, whereas you have defined and identified Bill Gates as the giant software owner, he wants to be known as a philanthropist and a person who truly thinks globally to be able to make others as happy as they can be and so on. And given that, if he's giving 95% of his charity, uh, his wealth to charity, I think it's the absolute lofty uh, thing that anyone can do. So uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't agree that he's, but his goal is to give 95% of his wealth to charity. That is his goal. Yeah. There is nothing artificial about it. He didn't write it down when he started Microsoft in his garage that I'm going to okay. give 95% of my wealth to charity and so on. Uh, right? Right. So all of well, these, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and shaping, shaping the goals is a very dynamic uh, and a non-stagnant uh, process. It, it can evolve as long as, like you said, if we're move, moving forward, that's all that counts. Hmm. I do know that uh, I think you and I believe in the same type of uh, idea that if he's, you know, for instance, he's giving 95% of his, his wealth to charity, um, that always has a slingshot effect and comes right back at him. Sure. And you know, so does that make him stupid? Absolutely not. No. I mean, if, if, if you're going to say, Hey, if he if he if he does it willingly, with the intent of not getting it back, there's a difference between giving 95 percent of your wealth because you know it's going to come back to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, or a difference of hey, I want to give my wealth to others to make them as ha you know make them happy uh, is a lofty goal. Yeah. And in turn, the universe always gives back. Yes. If you do it within integrity, as you say. Yes, absolutely. But irrespective of whether he's looking to get it back or not, the very fact that he's giving as charity in itself is a goal that is worthy of mentioning and worthy of uh, note for anyone to take care of and, and recognize rather than call him the stupidest man alive. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, again, this guy was negative. Yeah. 
and negative comes back to him. Yep. Yep. I feel sorry for the guy. I and so I was just gonna say that I feel <laughs> for him, but hey, you can you can uh, lead the horse. Uh, that's for sure. You can you cannot make him race. <laughs> I always tell authors, well, you know, I can I can take you to the water trough, but I can't make you drink. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So you're you're saying that it's not so much writing down the goals, but that you know that what you started off uh, wanting to become later in life is uh, not something that you need to write down. I'm I'm not going to make that blanket statement as in don't write them down. See, every individual has a different methodology that they take to. Mm-hmm. I never, Patty, I never forget a name or a phone number. Oh, wow. I'm a walking directory. It, <laughs> used, to, it used to drive my parents absolutely crazy when I was growing up. I would be at friends, they have no idea how to get in touch with me because they didn't have the phone numbers. Why? Mm -hmm. Because all the phone numbers were in my head. And to some listeners, it might sound as if that is so irrelevant that you remember all the numbers and names. You would be surprised how well it builds and quickly it builds relationships. To conduct a program for 110 people, 34 different countries, Mm. (coughs) and get to know everyone's first name by the first break, Mm. they they were literally in awe. And I'm not talking about names such as Patty, John, Michelle, Jennifer, so on and so forth. These were 34 different countries represented, and they were... Names such as Yoav, Dimitri, all kinds of names that you can imagine. Hmm. And I'm not suggesting by any means that, yes, that's the way it should be or what have you, but I never have to write down. Well, you've got a gift for that. And that's what I mean. Yeah. And, and so those that are passionate about what they want to accomplish and their goals, chances are they intrinsically live and breathe that so much, their writing just merely becomes a reference point. Hmm. For those others, if writing is a methodology that reminds you and stays in front of you to refresh your goals, Mm -hmm. by all means, write down the goals. So I know that you were just starting a, a class. You were doing a coaching recently. Tell us about this uh, program you're doing. Uh, the program is taking place as we speak on Thursday, two days from uh, today. Okay. Oh. Yep, and it is about helping people uncover their passion. And by that, in that journey, through that journey, how do we influence others so that those, instead of becoming a roadblock or a detour, will become a party to enhancing that passion and pushing you and motivating you to get to your goals faster, 
Hmm. And with greater clarity. Interesting. So uh, how does somebody decide, hey, I need a class on clarity or I need a class on, on how to focus on my goals? Uh, is that something that they, they just kind of read your information and say, hey, this class actually could do me some good? I just ask them three simple questions in whatever notes that I send to them. Have you uncovered or unleashed your passion? Uh-huh. Are you are you Good contributing? Question. Question. Yeah, are you contributing to your life to the fullest possibilities? And I, yeah, I don't know hardly anybody who is. Yeah, well, but you never know. There are at least we have begun to take the right steps, and that's all that counts. Mm-hmm. And the third question I ask is: Have you asked yourself the reasons? Whatever the answers come up to the last two questions. Have you uncovered, unleashed your passion? If the answer is yes, have you asked yourself the reason? If the answer comes back no, have you asked yourself the reasons why you have not unleashed or uncovered your passion? Hmm. Right. And given that, I, I build the program with exercises, interactive stories, hmm and to see to it that how they can build the relationship so that it literally doesn't come across as if, oh, this guy is just selfish in his passion, and that's why he is building the relationship, but to be able to provide a mutual sponsorship and, and therefore benefit for both the parties involved. So we talk about communication, effective communication, and all that as well. Wow. And everything is a game of storytelling. Passion in itself is a game of storytelling. If you think about all the cultures from ancient times to right now to the future and beyond, every culture has evolved based on stories and how powerful the stories are. Hmm. Do you have anybody who's influenced you through the years and uh, allowed you, you know, to be able to find your passion? Allowed to find my passion. My passion, my own introspection from childhood helped quite a bit. But there was there was one boss who I mentioned to you last time, last show, that working with him was like going to a management school. And uh, he continues to be my friend and a mentor. I see him every so often that I get a chance to. And he will always pursue and uh, take a milestone and measure about where I am in terms of my passion. Uh, The book launch was the biggest hit for him. Because he said, I knew that you were working on it for the longest time and so on. Mm. And uh, yes, there are people uh, uh, that help cultivate those passions each and every time based on what I said, that every incident that takes place around me is an observation and that intrinsically I drive into my passion. Mm. 
we were in uh, Cambodia two years ago, and I was stopped at a traffic light. <coughs> Excuse me. I was stopped at a traffic light, and in front of our taxi, there was a cyclist stopped because of the tra traffic light who, perchance, lost balance on his bicycle before stopping. He dropped his lunchbox on the road. And without regard to where he was and who was looking on, he actually stopped his bike on a stand, picked up the pieces of food, put it back in the lunchbox, and went on his merry way as soon as the light turned green. The lesson and the passion for me was you, you and I would not have done that, but the need was so much greater for this guy that he actually didn't care that the food had touched the road and therefore he picked it up and he was going to at least partially nourish himself for the day with whatever small meal that was left from that lunchbox. Mm. And for me, that was a huge lesson and a passion as in make do with the smallest riches that you have rather than complain or negate the value of what you have. Mm. So those kinds of things, every now and then, I, I pay closer attention to in order to learn and continue to uncover my passion. Well, you know, I, I think there's people in this country that have the same issue. Probably. Yeah. Um, I remember that uh, one day I, I put $10 of gas in my car. Yep. And I was kind of bemoaning the fact that, you know, I didn't have enough to fill it up. Yep. A guy came up, and you know, in a stall next to me, put $3 in. Yep. That's not even a gallon right now. Nope. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there's always absolutely. somebody. And every listener, yes, and every listener right now is nodding his or her head saying the same thing. Yes, I have seen that happen, mm -hmm. but didn't make anything of it because I'm never going to face that. <laughs> but, I, but I noticed it and said, yes, there are times when, when $3 is all I had. Yep. So, you know, you live with what you have. And you still continue to do what you can uh, with your passion and, and the world around you. Yeah. And that's why I made a comment earlier. There are people who are happy with less than what you have. Which, right? Which you think, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, you know, we live in America. <clears throat> yeah. And that's the key. So yeah, we, we, passion, complain, we complain about that too. <laughs> yeah. uh, the smallest little things ignite my uh, passion and therefore energy. And that's why uh, even though I travel the globe multiple times a year, uh, jet lag is not even in my vocabulary because I make the most of all my flights, my interactions. And it uh, works out that as soon as I land there, I'm a new person. Hmm. So, so in other words, you get to know the people around you no matter where you're at. 
Oh, absolutely. There are no strangers for me in this world. Only friends I've not met before. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're on the last seven minutes, and I just want to remind everyone, if you have a question, you need to get them, get that in. 714-242-5145. You know, last time you guys just sat there in the dark, and I know you were there, because you know what? I saw your numbers afterwards. I know you were just sitting there listening. So why not call in or, or ask a question? Why does it always have to be, hey, you know, I'm just sitting here. Just leave me alone. I just want to listen. Be a, part, be a part of this. Don't miss this opportunity to <laughs> pick on me, my friends. Please. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you guys listen to the whole entire show, and I've got you know, getting the numbers to prove it. I know you guys are sitting there uh, listening because, you know, the numbers prove it every time. So uh, why not, you know, interact with us? Why not interact with us? Because, you know, I know you guys got a burning question. You guys got a burning question? I haven't met. You're going to say, you know, dang, I wish I would have would have called in and asked that question. Because she never got to it. Do they have an option of asking later as well, Patty? Sure. Okay. They can, Just. They, yeah, you know, they can get through blog talk and ask a question, or they can also get get a hold of either of us. Tell them how they can get hold of you, Ben. They can. Anyone can get hold of me I through my website. website. Yeah. Yeah. Just aim number four success dot com. You'll be able to access my blogs as well through that and information on the book. The book is a leadership life story, but it is based on one foundational principle that I can tell. It is based on fidelity. But fidelity is, I'm using it as an acronym, and that is focused integrity with determination to empower legends in intuition, trust, and yearning. Wow, that, that's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, um, you know, it's, it's interesting how you you're, you're, you have an Eastern look, but yet you're right in the thick of, you know, uh, things going on here. And... Where has been your uh, most challenging country or most challenging uh, class that you've had to teach? Ah, um, the most challenging one from a gap that they had perceived was in Seoul, uh, Korea. Mm-hmm. And um, when I got there, the person in charge told me that, look, we are a very uh, quiet uh, group of people. We want only your prescriptive program, not interactive or so on and so forth. And this was prior to start of the session. <laughs> and um, 10 minutes into it, each one of them was so interactive, they loved it, and this girl, lady, was so surprised and dismayed that, hmm, these guys have never spoken like this with the group and the speakers that we bring on, not just because you are here, they're opening up and they, they want to 
and what have you. So that was the biggest gap for me to go against someone who was a leader, apparently, hierarchically. And yet I connected with the audiences so well that it was a huge success. But for her, it was a huge surprise that, hmm, how dare this guy come from Seattle and uh, do this in, <laughs> in South Korea like this. Well, but other the than question that, is, every, did, you get, did you get asked back? <laughs> oh, absolutely. There you go. Multiple times. And I got recognized as speaker of the quarter as well. Wow, there you go. Sometimes it's, it's better to go against the grain. Yep. That's true if you know you're right. Yes. <laughs> well, that comes only because of the clarity and the, the focus that you have towards the goals. As soon as your goal is to help and impact people just so that they can live a more fulfilled life, there is no selfish intent or goal. Yes, money will come. I don't think um, money is the reason why we do everything. Yet it helps. Yeah, it does help, but uh, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, and as long as you give the perception and the feeling that you're not doing this for money, that people tend to be more convinced and align with you a lot more versus otherwise. Hmm. By the way, I got to check check out your uh, Legacy Forward Made Easy, and uh, I loved your look on your Lots. website. Yeah, thank you. And I'm going to share that with everybody so that way they can also know and get to the what I'm talking about. Sure. Thank you. And, uh, again, these guys got 90 seconds, but I just wanted to let everybody know that uh, he's on Facebook. He's, you know, you can get a hold of him uh, through his website. Uh, but, you know, take a look at it. Go, go to his websites and, and peruse. Get to know him. And then contact him. And, Patty, I thank you for setting this up. I'd love to be able to encourage a lot more people to participate. Put me on the spot. Don't take, <laughs> don't take my word for it. And I'll continue to do that. There and you I go. thank you, Patty. Thank you, Ben. Absolute pleasure. Bye. Yes.